We're going to go ahead and get started. This is a, our, we, we always have an app here uh, in the main auditorium uh, that is normally based around leadership. And so we want to do uh, always t- kind of a general leadership. And uh, last year we did an app here uh, in this session, and uh, it was one of my favorite, and it, it, it got good marks uh, on what we're about because it's a general app about uh, just a diversity of leadership. And so I'm thrilled about this. I'm going to be interviewing uh, what I call uh, my, my favorite or, or what I think are the best leaders alive right now, today. And so they're the ones right now that I'm learning from that I think are making a big difference in business, in culture, in church, uh, in, in economics, in organizations. And so we're going to learn a lot, whether you're a, a pastor on staff, a small business leader, whatever it is. Uh, I think we're just going to learn a lot uh, over the next hour. So let me let me let me get our panel to come on out. So why don't Jimmy? Why don't y'all come on out and, and lead this group on out? Come on, guys! Come on out! Come on! Clap your hands for a leadership panel. They're going to come and take a seat, and uh, I'll introduce you. We're going we're going to rapid fire. I've got about twenty questions that I want to get through, and so you want to get ready to take notes because we're going to rapid fire this. And I think we're good. Are we good on stools? Are we good? We got one more there, uh, Bill. Are we good? Lee, you want to pop down there? So awesome, awesome. So we're good. And uh, so let me introduce everybody uh, real quick, and then I'm gonna let them t- say a little bit of something uh, about e- themselves and what they're doing and what they're passionate about, what they've been a part of. Uh, Jimmy Rollins, pastors up I Five Church up in Baltimore, not only has a heart for the church, but also it's impacting culture there in that community. Uh, Bill Whittle is one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, built an incredible business, an incredible organization, one of those generous men I've ever met. What we were able to do at Healing Place, continue to do much of that was through uh, Bill Whittle's generosity, building teams, leading thousands of people through his organization. So much what I learned through leadership, uh, I learned through Bill, and so it's great to have you, Bill. He drove up from, from Baton Rouge yesterday. Come on, car broke down in Hattiesburg, had to spend the night in Hattiesburg, but drove in today just to spend a few minutes with you. Let's just clap our hands alone for Bill Whittle. So you're going to learn a lot from him. He helps a lot of churches in financial development. Wayne Austin is my father-in-law, and uh, marriage and family has impacted my life and one of the greatest leaders I've ever been around as it relates to family and spiritual things. And then Lee Domain, many of you know Lee. He was here last year in one of our apps, and you've always helped us with apps at ARC. And Lee also uh, serves here at Church of the Highlands and helps coordinate the legacy team and then also helps a ton of churches around the country with Kingdom Builders, helping to... Uh, connect with high capacity givers and being able to expand your, your your connecting about the vision that God has given you. I know we were building our building. These two men, Bill Whittle and Lee Domain, helped us when we went through Katrina. We were trying to figure out banking, and then all of a sudden, our our, our income for the building needed to go up, and we were just navigating a lot. These two guys were key with that. And then Rob Hotskins, who leaves uh, One Hope, just thank God for him. Uh, probably the most missions. Uh, organization within ARC. Uh, there's probably not another missions organization that's that's more connected to our ARC churches that has our heart. We have his heart. We've gotten to know each other a lot the last couple of years. I know it's one of the premier partners that we have here at Church of the Highlands. And so Church of the Highlands with our strategic missions, that is one of our strategic partners. Pastor Chris loves Ron. What we do around the world so often, we're looking to him to help us craft that as it relates to global. And then Steve Robinson is a dear friend, pastors a church in Mandeville, has multiple locations, also leads a group of pastors. You've been there for 16, 
18 years. He pastors Church of the King, one of my closest friends. Uh, if you had Steve Robinson and Chris Hodges in the same room, the room would explode. And it's just that much power in leadership of understanding one of the most strategic men uh, that I know, a great author and building a great church. And so we're going to learn a lot uh, today over the next few minutes. So why don't we start down there at the end, and Jimmy, if we just pass it around, give us about kind of two minutes of your journey. Let's all make sure we respect the time because we've got so many incredible leaders here. We want to hear from everybody. Two minutes on your journey, kind of what's happened in your life and where you're at now. Absolutely. Served uh, my parents uh, from my parents launched a church in 1994, uh, and I served them as their uh, student pastor and kind of worked my way up through uh, the ranks of the traditional, uh, if you will, expression of African-American church. Uh, and then God really called me to do something different. And it would have been so easy to go out and do, uh, well, easier, I, I think, to go out and do my own thing. But literally the word that he gave me is I haven't called you to birth a baby. I've called you to resurrect some things. And so uh, I stayed there, me and my wife, uh, we, we transitioned that church uh, uh, about seven years ago. Uh, and since then, we've seen God do some, some pretty uh, incredible things. We've built our church around outreach uh, and around sports. And uh, just to kind of give you a, a, a thought about that real quick, I, I, it's great to have a hospital. And I believe that the hospital is absolutely, it's, necess it's necessary, it's a good thing. But we also need some people who are called to be the ambulance, called to be the paramedics, to go out and get people who are broken and people who are hurting and people who are dis disenfranchised and people uh, uh, who are addicts. And so uh, God really has given us that kind of niche uh, as a church. Uh, and through that, we've been able to kind of affect culture with partnering with uh, our community, our politicians, uh, our casino uh, is supporting uh, our, our homeless outreach. One of the, the wins that we have for, for Easter, uh, I didn't put my, my Easter numbers out there, but we had about 200 homeless people in church at our 1230 series that we went and picked up and we did makeovers for and showers. And so every Sunday we have shower units outside of our church where homeless come and they get showers and they yeah. come into church. Yeah. What's, what's amazing is because, you know, the Northeast is, it just has a different yeah. idea about church. So it's forced you to get creative, which then God has blessed. Absolutely. And then you've really asked good questions about your community. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we just got with the, with the politicians and the local people and the community leaders and says, what do you need? You know, what they didn't need is just another church on a block. They needed a city on a hill. And so we've just positioned ourselves that we're not there to pastor a church. We're there to pastor a city. So the needs in that city are ours to fulfill. The need is the seed to salvation. Yeah. That's kind of how we look at That's it. That's great. That's great. Bill, tell us a little bit about uh, your journey. Well, I, I came from a little different background. I'd uh, come down from uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, to play ball down at Louisiana State University back during the Maravich era. And uh, then I'd become a Christian when I was 17. So a lot of the people, I lost my parents when I was very young. So a lot of, and I was on the street by the time I was 11, both my sisters uh, were pregnant and dropped out of high school. I couldn't. I stayed in school. And... Uh, came to the Lord at age 17, brought that with me to college and went through that and then uh, went into coaching and actually almost lost my salvation a few times coaching against this guy because we <laughs> coached in the same conference. And then, but I knew, uh, I did that for a number of years and then I got into business and uh, I knew that a lot of people meant to me, a lot of me in my life were coaches and people in the ministry. And uh, so I was mentored by some very successful people, but that kept in, in my, my soul. And then, you know, I've never had the desire to go to Russia, but I know that I want the people in Russia to know Jesus Christ. So I can't go there physically, but I have been, been blessed 
uh, with making a, a substantial amount of money so my personal finances can go there. I don't want to go to China, but I want the people in China to know so I'm able to support ministries there. I don't want to go uh, deliver wheelchairs, but I know I, I can take my finances and help people you know, deliver wheelchairs and build uh, water wells and, and build churches and build schools and stuff in different parts of the world. And so my wife and I, then when we started, our business became successful and we have financial services companies all across the United States. So I get a chance and, and Dina was one of the ones that once one of the ministers that was involved at our church and they, we've had a Bible study at my office now. So visualize and I would suggest everybody maybe consider doing this in each of our, your communities. So when every Wednesday morning, we've had a Bible study at our office for going on 40 years now. And so that's my ministry. My business is my ministry because when my men and women go into people's homes and do their financial planning, uh, I promise you they're witnessing to the Lord Jesus Christ, but also as they branch out and have their own firms. And Dino was one of the ones instrumental when my, one of the guys I was supporting went to Russia. He was the first guy that actually was into Russia for the ministry. Then Dino volunteered to come over and he did that for a number of years. And that, that ministry in our office has been maintained there for 40 years. But as they go out and branch out across the country and open their own office, they also start their own Bible study. So every Wednesday morning all across the country, uh, you have quote unquote laymen, but they have non-denominational pastors come in and all their offices offices. And uh, that's basically our gospel. So we're doing it through the business world and doing it with men and women that turn their life over to Christ. And I just can't tell you how many people have been affected by that and then go out in their communities and impact the communities. Because the business world is somewhere that I know Dino took it, they really took that to another level that I would encourage you to try to involve because business people, just like athletes, they're leaders and yeah. they can make a big yeah. influence in your community and in your church. That's great. You know, Bill was the first businessman that came to our church that I kind of thought, okay, like he's a real one. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know how you got like those fake business people? Like, no, like he really had a company and there was like people that went to work there. And it was like, like he was like a grown man. And so I, like, I don't think we had any grown people in our church. And uh, he was the first one, Lee also was that, and probably uh, over 20 years, Lee also was a part of that. Uh, and I just want to say this, and, and he wouldn't want me to say it, over a 20 year period, this was the most generous man that ever was in our church. And he gave more to our church than any one individual family did. And, uh, and to be married to the marketplace. And we'll talk a little bit about organization because he is a master at building organization uh, and, and with thousands of people. Uh, Brother Wayne? Let me just say it's a tremendous. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I just want to say it's a tremendous privilege to be here with each of you today and just want to encourage you and, and love you. Uh, I, I grew up in uh, what's called Old North Baton Rouge and, uh, and, and went to a high school there and then went to LSU and, and then got married uh, this past year, 50 years, celebrated 50 years of marriage. Uh, <clears throat> thank God you don't go through that but one time. Uh, I said, that's an event you do and you don't have to do it again. Yeah. But uh, it's just... Uh, but I found out that, um, you know, everything that you do, uh, you have to give all the glory to God. And uh, he, is, he is the one that you give all the credit to. And so coaching and teaching and uh, being involved in ministry for the last 50 years, uh, Dino was showing those pictures of those horses this morning. Uh, I thought about, I used to tell people, don't worry about uh, uh, the mule, just load the wagon. Now I tell them, you better worry about the mule. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's my heart uh, 
to be able to encourage you, to lift you up, to be here today, to honor you. And uh, so it's not really a lot to say about me, but it's a lot to say about him because it's all of him and none of us. And uh, it's just, I'm just so glad to have the family that I have, uh, the wonderful wife. I, I don't know if you know it, men, but the Holy Ghost wears a skirt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I just, uh, my grandchildren, I love my grandchildren. I love my girls. Uh, my other girl's going to be here tomorrow. I, I told them I'd probably go to hell because of pride of my girls, yeah. my family, you know, being so proud of them. Uh, but I love my grandkids. I love my uh, family. Uh, I love my son-in-laws. I told them I didn't want son-in-laws. I'd like to have sons, and they've been sons to me. And, uh, but it's just a, a great journey. And uh, you just hope you have something left to be able to give. And uh, we just love each one of you. Just glad to be here today. Wow. Thank you, Brother Wayne. I I don't know where I'd be without Brother Wayne. My father passed away when I was 25. And so, Brother Wayne, it took that place in my life. And through the good seasons and the bad seasons, uh, he has stood by me and stood by my wife and my kids. And he's just the greatest mentor. Lee, tell us a little bit about uh, the journey. You know, born and raised in South Louisiana, we're from a Cajun family, a real Cajun family, and uh, in Lafayette, Louisiana, the heart of Cajun country. But um, been married to my wife, Laura, for almost 29 years, and we've got five children, four boys, one girl, and just had our second grandbaby two days ago. And so we're excited about Zara Blake, and uh, if y'all are watching online, a little shout out, Zara, Pops loves you. And, uh, but... I'm having the time of my life. I get to serve as legacy pastor here at Church of the Highlands, and uh, I was a business person in the marketplace for 30 years, very entrepreneurial. First business I ever had was very, very successful if you looked at it from a revenue perspective, but lacked character on a personal perspective, and uh, that business came quickly crashing down. Now, that business could have defined me, but it didn't. What it did, it made me better. And so really learning it. But I was always searching and looking for a place to try and make a difference. And so I tried to do a lot of things uh, in a very broad area. And then God really showed me that if the local church is ever going to be the hope of the world, it's going to be a pastor and a partnering with a business person that's going to really bring that about. And so a pastor may have a vision, but the business person sets the speed or the pace of that vision. And so it's really a divine partnership that God really has. And so I've been able to walk that out uh, with Pastor Dino for 17 years when he was at Healing Place and then now at Church of the Highlands. But being able to help other business people connect to kingdom purpose actually answers the question that every business person's asking themselves. You see, if they don't answer that question, they're going to build a dynasty in their life, not a legacy. And it's a big difference between the two. My whole life, I wanted to build a dynasty which really equated to a balance sheet size so I could have independence and do what I want to do. Well, that's short-sighted and really selfish. And as God really started to deal with me, that you're created, Lee, Colossians 1.16, created not only by me but for me. And so the gifts and the talents really needed to be stewarded in the context of being planted in a local church. And I had a place there. I had a seat at the table, maybe not to govern, but for my lane that I was supposed to run in. And so there are business people that are inside of all of our churches that are longing to connect. And if they don't connect, they'll go create their own world and just do noble philanthropy. 
And if the local church is going to be that hope of the world, we got to show them the eternal return on investment. Show them the tangible difference that's being made. And then look at each other as a pastor and a business person and say, let's go take the hill together because we're better together. That's great. That's great. Thank you, Lee. That's awesome. Lee's a dear friend. Rob? Uh, Rob Hoskins, and I grew up on the mission field in Beirut, Lebanon, and then was in France before coming to the States when I was about 17, so grew up in a really missional family and have stayed involved since then. And uh, my dad really had an apostolic ministry in the Middle East and planting churches, and so we've always been connected in our missiology to uh, understanding that uh, the only real missiology is local church missiology. So everything that we do as One Hope, even though we're considered a, quote, parachurch organization, is truly support the local church. Um, and the vision we had as a family in 1987 was my dad had a vision. He saw uh, the Lord allowed him to see incredible spiritual warfare that was taking place for the next generation for children and youth. God broke his heart for kids. And as my dad went through this time of just brokenness and we as a family began to pray, we said, Lord, what are you showing us and what, we, what can we do? And the Lord just began to reveal what kids were going to face in this coming generation, which we've seen over these last three decades with things like drugs, alcohol, pornography, uh, child soldiers, um, sex trafficking, all these things that kids were going to face in the next generation. And as a family, we said, Lord, what are we seeing and what should we do? The Lord said that the only thing that will overcome these lies is truth. My word is truth. Take my word and give it to every child in the world. So the vision was birthed in 87, and that's what we've been doing for 30 years, is uh, equipping local churches to reach children and young people with the word of God, making sure that they engage the word of God, measuring that outcome of scripture engagement, because we believe if kids can not only have the word of God distributed to them, it's not the distribution of God's word that brings life, it's the entrance of God's word that brings life. And so we as One Hope believe we have a way to measure that, we have a way for kids to become biblically literate, biblically competent, and become biblical influences, so the culture isn't influencing them, but they're actually influencing the culture. That's the call of every pastor in the world. And so we feel called to serve you and the, and the, and the pastors around the planet uh, over the last 30 years, we've been able to reach 1.3 billion children in 176 countries, 600-plus languages, 300-plus programs. And uh, God's doing it not just through print anymore, but through multimedia. Help launch the Bible app for kids with Life Church. again, working with a local church. We just passed 23 million downloads, uh, 9 million kids in the U.S. engaging with God's Word through the Bible app for kids right now in America. So we're here to serve the local church because we believe uh, God's Word changes kids' lives. And if they receive that Word when they're young, they'll never depart from it. Come on. Come on, Steve Robinson. <laughs> we, by the way, we support One Hope, and it is an amazing organization to uh, partner with. Um, went to Tulane University to play football, ended up getting saved uh, when I was a freshman, and I was, I was not a Christian going there, even though my mom tried to tell everybody I was. I was a total heathen kid. I got born again in a Bible study. I have a degree in rhetoric, which means nothing. And uh, my dad's an attorney. I was going to go to law school. Ended up, uh, when I gave my heart to Christ, ended up going, uh, felt called to ministry. Uh, a couple of things, went to Bible school, then seminary. Came back, started a youth organization. I didn't start in ministry and pastoral ministries. I started a youth organization in junior high and high schools. We started an organization called Next Generation. And uh, in New Orleans alone, there's, there's thousands of kids uh, in Bible clubs. That's what we did in 1993. And uh, four or five, all the way through the 90s. Uh, in 99, I was asked if I'd start a church on the north side of our lake, uh, which is called Mandeville-Covington area. And uh, it, I, we prayed about it, ended up starting there, my wife and I. And uh, we just 
it was a tremendous miracle from God. I mean, it wasn't, we didn't have business plan, strategy, any of the stuff that you're supposed to have now. And so we, we just showed up. God did incredible things. But, uh, and it was just a wave we rode to 2005. And then we had Hurricane Katrina that we walked through with Pastor Dino. He was in Baton Rouge. We were in the greater New Orleans area. Uh, we, we had the fastest shrinking church in America <laughs> and uh, lost thousands of people literally overnight. And, uh, and so, and then rebuilt, went through a, a big building campaign, a lot of stress, pressure, burnout, a lot of things there, uh, but started some multi-sites. And uh, so with the greater New Orleans area, also in the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and really felt the call to see city transformation. Rob's written on a lot of this as well, uh, that we believe the church, and that's why I'm so impressed with what you're doing. Uh, we, we always felt we weren't a come and see, but a go and do church. By the way, and after Hurricane Katrina, if you were not engaging your community you were irrelevant. Nobody cared about what was happening in the building. And so, uh, and so that's what we really felt a heart to see city transformation reaching all the spheres of society. And so, so appreciate the ARC. And uh, all of you guys, Pastor Chris and Pastor Dino, have been big brothers to me and Rick Bazette. And uh, so that's a, that's a little of our story. I'll tell you, Steve, you, you've, when I have a decision to, to make, I normally I'll talk to my wife. I've got three or four people I'll talk to. I'll talk to Brother Wayne talk to uh, Chris, and Steve is normally in that short list because of the way you see things. I'm going to ask a lot of questions, and we're going to move quick. What did you learn about rebuilding? Yeah. This is not even on the script. What is the one thing you've learned about rebuilding your life? Yeah, let me, let me talk about that, because in 2010, one of the things I learned in 05, I never came down for five years emotionally. You're talking about rebuilding your life. And I, I learned after Hurricane Katrina, because we went on a high. When you're in crisis mode, you're living out of adrenaline the whole time. You're living out of just, you're, I mean, you're just that fixing. That could be like planting a church. Yeah, I mean, and that, it's important. You're just in adrenalized. The whole, I mean, just every part of your system. I did that for five years, big building campaign, recessions, building cash, and uh, burned out. And uh, literally wanted to get out of ministry. And uh, one of the things I've learned about rebuilding your life is the importance of a leader's health. And by the way, whether you're a senior pastor, on the team, business, uh, every sing- volunteer, every single person, the stewardship of your heart, your emotional, spiritual life, your emotional life, uh, physical life, uh, and your relational life. What I am excited about is the church is talking about that now. I am fired up because... Uh, the health of the soul. Again, Rick Warren 20 years ago started talking about church health. But now I love the conversation about, uh, about the, the leader's health, your emotional health. And uh, you can't live in a adrenalized state year in and year out, week in and week out. You will crash. I, I talked to a big leader recently and he said, I was talking about burnout. He goes, oh, I did that once. Like it's, a, like it's a pass, a rite of passage into success. I don't believe you have to do that, Pastor. And I believe as leaders of the professional world, I mean, again, we're ministers. We get paid to do what we do, but what you do, Bill, you're out there uh, making a difference in the marketplace, but also using your gifts, talents, and abilities in the kingdom, pushing the ball forward. So your soul health, your emotional health uh, is so critical. It's so critical. Lee, you're seeing it all over the place. So what I'm excited about, Pastor Dino, is there's a conversation, whether it's renewal of Sabbath, uh, living intentional lives, all the books out there honoring intentional living, emotional health, all of that. I am fired up because the conversation, if we deny it, when I got saved 30 years ago, 
burn for Jesus, do as much as you can. I, I want to last. And the number one thing to finishing well is soul health. It's soul health. So I don't know if that's what I learned about the crisis, no, but great. it's want to make it. Yeah, because you, you came, we came under that youth ministry. How You know, we were youth pastors. Brother Wayne did youth ministry. I mean, we all, and uh, Bill was coaching, and, and, uh, and you know, it was, it was die for the cause of Christ. And it's like, oh, I'm about to die, all right. And, uh, and, and I know when I went through a time where crash, just not pretty at all. Uh, I went and saw Steve, and he said, it's not about the church. It's not about ministry. It's about your soul. And I remember you were one of the first ones that, that helped me through that. And uh, just across, let me ask you this, Bill. Um, rebuilding finances. Because you've had, you've had ups in building a business. You've, take, you've taken hits, obviously, in building a business. What, do you, what happens in, in a business sense in, when, you, when, you're, when you're having to rebuild business? Because the one thing I've watched you do, you've reinvented yourself over and over again through currents and trends in the, in the economy and, and, and being able to recruit young leaders. When, I would sp- when you spend time with Bill, you're not going to be there a few minutes and you're not going to have a young guy that's around. Your son is doing the business. You have all these athletes that are attractional uh, to you. How's that worked over these years? Well, I think, I think that as once again, the key words, intentional, you have to, I think you have to stay relevant and I think the same thing. And I know everybody's here is doing their church, but I do think you have to understand that you know, it's like raising kids. You know, we've heard about the terrible twos. There's no such thing as terrible twos. There's terrible twos. All right. But it's terrible two parents because we don't keep ourselves relevant. And you're supposed to read the same books that a two year would, and everybody goes through that stage. I remember when I had my two children, I've been married 43 years now. And I got a 33 year old and a 30 year old and I got two grandbabies. And, uh, but a lot of people, and I've been in business now for 40 years and I have been good because the same thing with Katrina, we lost a lot of our sales force. New Orleans got wiped out. A lot of our people in different areas, but you know, recruiting is, which is, I mean, recruiting is the name of the game in any business. I don't care if it's sports, if it's ministry, if it's, you got to recruit the best people you can and pour your lives into them. But you know, as a leader, you got to stay relevant. What are they doing? What are their needs? What, what, you know, we're not, you got to look at it from a standpoint of we're here to serve them. They're not here to serve us. And I think that's what happens with this ministry or business. We get to this thing thinking, okay, I'm the man, and therefore you don't become the quote-unquote man, and because we think they got to live up. And the fact is, every generation changes. You know, I'm 67 years old. Well, the same thing that worked, <clears throat> Rick Warren says this all the time, you, you, the message stays the same, but the method has to change. It's no different in the business world. And when you, when you go through the ups and downs in the business world, but also the, you know, the fact is these things too shall, cha- shall, shall pass if I'm prepared to make the changes I need to make, and it's not that I thrust myself on them like raising kids. When they get to be teenagers, every teenager goes through a certain stage. As a parent, are we prepared? Do we have the toolbox that says I can reach in my toolbox and help them get through this stage? It's the same thing in business. So I don't, and, I, and, I, and I, what I learned in business, I don't care if there's someone in this room that's my age or older than me, or if it's a 22-year-old or a 30-year-old, everybody, every human being has the same fears, the same doubts, the same idiosyncrasies. They're scared to death. Everybody, like Dr. Phil says, everybody wears a social mask. And in deep down inside of the thinking, am I good enough? Can I pull this thing off? And if you don't, if you're not aware of that and you don't seek to ministry to that, you're going to lose, you're going to lose total, you know, the objective is how much control can you give away and still maintain control, whether it's raising kids, building a business, building a ministry, and then seeking what they really need, what they need. And you know what? In my 40-something years in business, same thing, and when I coached for a number of years, they need leadership. They need guidance. They want to know, do you care about me? Yeah. You know, uh, can I count on you? Are you seeking excellence? And are you, do you have the resolute will to see this thing through? 
And I think it doesn't change. I don't care how young they are, how old they are. I think those people want to know, are you truly interested in me? And that's what I've tried to do for the 40 years I've been in business. Same thing when I coached. What would you say it would be best advice you can give someone on recruiting? Recruiting well, a leader. Yeah. I would recruiting say, people I, I to be on the, the team. I think the same thing. I think that people are attracted. There's an attractor factor in anything. I mean, you know, whether sports, business, the ministry. Like when I met you, I told you, I said, I thought the Holy Spirit was a part of your life because your temperament, your basic personality, which I've studied pretty much all my career, it was, it would be about you, but I could tell the Holy Spirit was in you and that attracted me to you. I knew, you're, I knew you were sold out. But the other thing is, like I said, I knew you truly cared about me. It wasn't just, okay, here's a guy who could probably give a lot of money, this, that, and the other. You truly cared about me and you went out of your way to show that, but you also involved me. You didn't just want my support. I think that's what we do like a lot of times. We want people's support. Like in my business, we try to get the partners, the, the spouses involved. We don't want you to just be support. We really want you involved. We don't want you just in the boat. We want you to help row. And I felt that by being a part of, the, of your ministry. I felt like I was a part, and everybody wants to be an active participant of a great event. And so I think that's what recruiting is. If they can feel like, they, I mean, Alabama's a, I hate to say it, use that bad word, being from LSU and playing there. But that's why Saban recruits the best players because they, they know if you want to play on Sunday, come play for us on Saturday and you'll be in the NFL. And I think the same thing. I think people have to be attracted to what you're trying to build and know they're going to be a part of it. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Lee, could you, could you build on that? Just in business, attractional, getting people involved, recruiting what you've seen, business, church. Because you've, you've led a lot of people. You, you've bought and sold companies. You, you've, had, you've had three or four different things that you've done well. Yeah. I think, I think that um, a little bit very similar to what Bill was saying as far as them leading uh, and being connected, show them that you care, all of those things are just a real paramount. But one of the things that we did in our company um, was we communicated, even as a secular company, we communicated the impact that we were making above and beyond. So we started out supporting uh, organizations through our church. Uh, it was four or five organizations every month. And then I met with Pastor Dino and said, look, this is something I think God has really put on my heart to support through our company. And, and basically he said, look, I'm going to pray about it. I want, I'm going to help you, uh, you know, with whatever you need, and, but I want to see this dream come about. Well, years later, we were supporting 145 different projects globally every month through our business, and it was millions of dollars. And we had a huge globe, and I'm getting to a point here. We had a huge picture that you'd walk down the hallway, and all it had was little dots in areas all around the world. And I had, my CTO was a Hindu. I had people from all walks of life. I had people from different nationalities, and they would walk down that hallway. We didn't tell them so much from a preaching perspective, but they were like, what, what are those dots? I see one in my home country. And we then got the chance to tell them the kingdom purpose and the impact that we were being the hands and feet of Christ. And then what happened was when you give your team a mission that's bigger than a paycheck is my point, then what happens is they were so bought in, and even the ones that didn't know Christ were bought in because they saw the tangible difference that we were actually making. And so what happened was that we were able to get some of the best people possible because everybody can get a job and go get a check, but what they can't get 
is being able to make a difference. And so the company that bought my company is one of the largest compliance companies in the world. I stayed on as CEO and they wanted me to stay on longer. But I had done my duty and was leaving. And they said, well, look at your paycheck. Why wouldn't you want to stay? And I said, wow, that's the secular world. But I said, I'm not about the paycheck. I want to be able to make an eternal difference. And uh, so it's really looking for however you run your church or your business, what's the real purpose? If the purpose is just making money, then that's nothing more than being basically a prostitute. That's good. That's good. Rod, let me ask you this, uh, because he, he said something about messaging. How important is that today? Because if you don't have that right now, because you're, you're pushing out information constantly to your donors and to the givers. How is messaging different today, how you're having to stay on that yeah, we, so you continue to, to raise income? Yeah, so, you know, the, the nonprofits and, and, and churches have experienced over the last 30 years sort of this complete change in donor development. And people are struggling harder than ever to raise a dollar. And so our, our big strategy was to get smaller. When, when, when I took over the fundraising for my dad 17 years ago, we had a donor file of about 50,000 people. We were raising about $12 million a year. Um, we've actually shrunk that list down to under 10,000. And the reason was is because in a crowded market where there's so much noise and so much volume, what you really want to get back to is who are those partners that value you and you value them? So by getting smaller, instead of having a donor base that was a mile wide and an inch deep, we want it to be an inch wide and a mile deep with our, with our community. We don't want everybody to be a donor to One Hope. We want people that are God's word every child to be partners and stakeholders with us. So we have a value chain that we go through, and this helps with the messaging. So in our value chain, what we're looking for is we move from encounter to engage to believe to champion to identity. And every single one, if you're, an, if you're an ARC pastor and you're given to One Hope, you're somewhere on that value chain right now. We might have encountered you and you engaged with us. We're trying to get you from engaged to believe. We're trying to get you from a believe to value. We're trying to get you to value to actually be a champion for One Hope to get to an identity level. And so we're trying to move everybody up that value chain, not just as a strategy, but to say this is actually a biblical concept of us walking with people that are not just donors, that are not just people that are an ATM for us, but people that deeply have a passion of their business. I was with a business guy, and, uh, and I was visiting him, and he said, hey, look, uh, I want to take you to one of my closings. He was, a, he was a commercial real estate guy. He said, I just want to see you. I want you to see what I do. So we go through this. It's one of those closings. They're signing all the papers. They're all done. Then this guy at the end says, hey, listen. He says, I know we just did this deal. He says, you don't even know why I do what I do. He said, you don't have to do this, but he said, hey, would you, if I could just take five minutes after we're done with the closing and I could share with you to tell you why I do what I do. And so the guy sits there and goes, sure, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. So he, he's done and he's sitting there in a business deal, a completely secular guy, and he says, look, I don't need to make any more money. I've made more money through commercial real estate, so why do I still do this? Why don't I just go golf right now? And he, and he began to tell the One Hope story. And he basically wow. said, I believe God's word every child. I sell real estate for God's word every child. Wow. That guy's at the point of identity now with us. This is not a ministry he supports. This is a ministry he lives and believes in. So what we, what we need to do in our partnership with the marketplace, with our business community, and with churches and pastors is one hope, is to not necessarily get bigger, just to get better. We need to get better at building strong relationships and moving people to the place of identity in their lives because that's what individuals are looking for, that's what business people are looking for, and that's what churches are looking for. That's great. Wow. Those were amazing steps. 
I mean, how you took people through that process. I know we're doing the same thing at ARC. And so you'll walk around, you'll see a lot of different partners here in the foyer. People are sponsoring things. And about a year ago, we just kind of decided, we, I think we want to have more strategic alliances. We, wanna, we really want to do life with some people. And one hope is that we, we, we started a relationship this, this uh, year, and you'll hear some more about it tomorrow, uh, with the Wesleyan Investment Foundation, which is a, a bank. It's savings. It's a bank. It's a lending institute. And uh, went up there and spent some time with their, their president, uh, Craig Dunn, and it was amazing. Uh, we just started sharing hearts, and, and this is a bank. Normally, I go into a bank, and it's like, let's fight right now. I'm ready to go ninja. Let's do this. I brought my stars. I'm throwing them at you. We're getting arrested for the day's over. And so that's normally been all of my relationship with banks, but it was amazing. I sat there. We shared our heart. They shared their heart, and it was the most interesting thing that the president said to me. He said, we really don't need you. And you really don't need us, but maybe if we came together, the Lord could use us. Yeah. So good. And it was a strategic relationship for ARC. And, uh, and they're here, Western Investment Foundation. But, uh, it was just what you're saying is defining the people who's supposed to do life with you, so which makes a huge impact. Steve, you've dealt with the ups and downs of finances in the church, stall the building, and, and you, you understand finances. Uh, what's your advice Growing an organization, understanding money, connecting with donors, or just being able to be wise in, in the world today, how, how, how fluid it is today. What's your advice to a young pastor as it relates to finances or, 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 or a, a young married couple? Uh, that's good. Let, let me go on the ministry side first. Um, I, I like what Bill said, and I think it's so true. I think one of the, the heart tests of every pastor, and I know the, the room's not full of all pastors, but, but leaders is, um, is you got to want more for them than from them. Wow. And, and one of the things, every, every time, we've built a lot of buildings, we've done a lot of capital campaigns, done a lot of all that stuff. It's ironic. I remember going to meeting with guys after Hurricane Katrina because it's such a line of demarcation for us. It's kind of before that, after that. And I remember meeting with guys going, this guy signed a pledge. God, I hope he can honor it. And yet he's losing his shopping mall. And the tension in my heart going, is it more for him or is it more from what I can get? And that's a heart test. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, only God knows that. You know, and I was just like, well, so I had to make a decision if I will add value to that person. So number one, as a pastor, ministry leader at any level, uh, they're more important than money. Ultimately, if you help them fulfill their dream, they're going to, you know, the, the kingdom of God. I want to say a couple of things about, uh, about resources, and I want to touch back on Rob. I'm going to go back to churches that, that uh, apart from building buildings that you need to house people, community engagement. Greatest thing that churches, that people want to see, because people are giving to, to community uh, uh, initiatives. They're giving to, uh, you know, uh, this program and this program. And as a church, I think as our whole thing has shifted 13 years ago to more missional and community transformation. For instance, one of the things we're doing right now, prison ministry. Uh, we're, do, we're speaking on, on 2,000 uh, prisons. 2,000 live prisoners are hearing the gospel for, on Sunday morning from us. So, you, you, you talk about raising resources. Related. People want to give to community transformation, all right? So that's, that's, that's so huge. They want to see that, the impact with the sports. And so number one is, I'd say five things. Number one, uh, as a pastor, as a leader, because we know you got to want more for them than from them. Number two is we want to plug them into purpose of, of true community transformation initiative. Number three, they've got to know. 
They've got to know the Bible's teaching on stewardship. We've had 8,000 people go through Crown Financial in our church, adults. And, and I want to just say this. There's three things. People either lack the skill, the will, or the know-how. And, and the knowledge. And so I want to encourage anybody that's in a church in any leadership format, whether it's Dave Ramsey or Crown Financial, the, the power of biblical teaching on that has been, it's been so critical in us. And again, I know that church plan is the thing that I love about Ark and Pastor Chris is he'll teach the people day one. We're going to teach stewardship in church. Again, stewardship, whole life stewardship. Stewardship of your time, your talent, your resources. And so I want to encourage anybody uh, that's not been through a curriculum. We are heavy curriculum-based because we believe it's important. You get in community with people. You start doing life with people. You're going through curriculums. You're going through Crown Financial. You're doing through financial peace. And so uh, number, three go- uh, number four is goals. I would say this. Every individual that doesn't have an earning goal, saving goal, and giving goal, they're not going to move the, bo- the ball forward financially. And so that's what I have in my life personally. That's what I, and I teach it. And I want to encourage every one of you, uh, regardless of what you are, earning goal, giving goal, saving goal. And it should be each one of us uh, in our year. And the last thing I would say uh, about finances is, uh, is uh, people want information. They want to know, as a church leader, where are my resources going? Are they making a difference? Uh, is, is there any accountability structure? We joined ECFA a number of years ago as a church. Uh, we were proud of that. The only church in Louisiana, only nonprofit in Louisiana. Uh, so our annual reports are important to, to people. And I'm saying this as a pastor. A lot of times people, well, we don't want people to know what's going on. Well, no, actually your giving goes up. When people, and so we do an annual report. We have ECFA, uh, of course, our accountability structure. So again, I would say that uh, as, a, as a church pa- a leader, you got to want more for people than from them too. Uh, we want to be involved in the community, community transformation. People will give to buildings to a point, but what is the point beyond that point? And, that, and, that, and that's the point. And, and we have a huge, you know, buildings and all that stuff. But more than that, three, education, equipping. Anybody in here that's not going through Dave Ramsey's uh, financial piece or Crown Financial, I'm telling you, it'll quicken some. By the way, it'll get you and your wife or wife, you and your husband on the same page going through a curriculum together. It will change your marriage. I'm telling you. Uh, and then an update, giving feedback from people, uh, letting them know where the money and resources are going. Our money has just, it's, it's gone up a- a- every year. So I hope yeah, that's... It's just, a, y'all have a generous church. You said something about having to guard your heart. Brother Wayne, what have you learned about how you guard your heart? How do you keep the right heart? That's so important. Uh, to guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. I told somebody if we would guard our heart, we'd have a lot less issues. Yeah. Uh, but the thing, there's a scripture, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 4.15. Uh, it says that there are, I, I, I say this to you, not to for your shame, but to warn you, there are 10,000 instructors, but there are few fathers. Uh, We know that Abram's name was the exalted father, but God changed it to Abraham, which was the father of multitudes. Uh, What what I have found out today is that we have few fathers. We have a lot of instructors, but information won't bring transformation. You've got to have truth, not just tradition. You you can't just have culture. You've got to have Christ. So the, the biggest thing that uh, 
is in my heart today is, Lord, give me your heart. I don't know if, when you're involved with so many people and so many issues and so many dilemmas and so many crises, I tell people life will squeeze the very life out of you, but it can't squeeze his life out of you. And most of the time, what do we tell people? I understand. But how many of you know that understand is just a word? You probably haven't been through what they've been through. And what, what I have found out is that we have got to have that father's house. This is... This is what God gave me. There are many fathers' houses, but if you don't have the heart of the father in the house, it is only a roof, or it is full of brothers. And let me tell you, you just don't want to deal with brothers. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. The first one killed his brother. I mean, today in the struggle of Joseph, what did his brothers do to him? Put him in a pit and sold him. And you go on down and you see the others, Levi and Simeon, they thought they were doing what's right and went and killed every man in the city. So what I'm saying to you today is this, we've got to have the heart of the father. And I don't have to tell you about the elder brother. You see, we can have the, the heart of the father who deals in grace. Or we can have the elder brother who deals in law. Come on. See, if, if Jesus came, if the law could redeem us, Jesus wouldn't have to come. come on. But he came to give us grace. Moses gave us law, but Jesus gave us grace. But see, this is the indifference in the elder son and the father. The father was willing to be disgraced so his son could find grace. Wow. But the elder son, he was just disgraced by what his brother did. The brother elder, he forgot, he remembered or he heard what his brother had done and where he was at, but he forgot he was his brother. But the father didn't even remember what he had done or where he was at. He only remembered that he was a son. It's so important that we understand that the heart of the father is always full of compassion. This is why it's important to guard your heart. What kind of heart do we have? We've got to get the heart of the Father in the house. Otherwise, what do we have? Love is just a word. Compassion is just a word. Mercy is just a word. I found out in my life, if you don't allow mercy to touch, let me just say this, mercy can handle all your dirt. And if you stop mercy from touching dirt, you may die. A man did that one time when he tried to stop the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant. I hated that he died, but God showed me never stop mercy from touching dirt. You see, the elder son, he didn't have the heart of the father. Oh, we got seven on seven right here. He, the seven elder son, right here. he did not have the heart of the father. There's two views of sin. There's man's view of sin. Man can attach, you see... When somebody, man attaches wrong to an individual, and then you know what we do? We identify them by what they did wrong. But you see, God attaches wrong the Father, the heart of the Father. He attaches wrong to himself, and he always identifies you as a son. Oh my. The thing that I'm just trying to say to you today, what Dino has just asked me about, we, our heart, 
The heart is what is so important. Yeah. It is where life, the blood, it flows. We've got to have the heart of the Father in everything that we do. So and like I said, if you go through something, then you can say, I understand. I told God one time, I said, God, I can't go through everything that everybody goes through. He said, this is what the Holy Spirit gave me. Just treat everybody like they're your child. Yeah. How many of you know when, when Jesus saw the little lady was caught in the very act of adultery, he said, that's my daughter. I'm not going to throw a stone at her. I'm going to put a stone under her. What I'm saying to you today is this, is that I, I, family is so important to me, but we, we've got to have the hearts. We've got to get the heart of the Father in the house. Mm -hmm. And the heart of the Father, listen to me, it, it, it has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with uh, gray hair or no hair. It, it has nothing to do with gender. It, it all has to do with how are you going to treat that person? Good. And he's always treat us like a son. Come on because of the heart of the Father. So that's, that's all I want to do is, in the few days that I have left, is Lord, don't let compassion be a word. Don't let me expose somebody, let me cover somebody. Lord, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't let me, let me have compassion. Let, them treat, let me treat them like they're my child. Let me treat them like they're my daughter. Let me treat them like my son. And what I found out, it, it, we're talking about burnout and different things like that. Is, is ministry is a spiritual dimension. You can't let it become physical. You can't put on yourself weights you're not designed to carry. You can't operate in perspiration. You've got to operate in inspiration. You've got to operate with His grace. So, just get His heart. People are looking for the heart of the Father. Come on. Don't deal with brothers. Deal with the heart of the Father. Thank you, Brother Wayne. Hey, you got to stand up. Come on, look at that. 707. Y'all sit down. Hey, yeah, hey, and that's, that's my daddy right me, there. That's my daddy. Hey, that's, my, that's my son. Uh, Let me just say one thing to you about family. Is this? Nobody, off, I'm getting started now. Nobody. Okay. You got to let everybody else down. I, okay. 30 seconds. Nobody, nobody, it, I've been, I'm 72 years of age, and I've been around so many great men of God. But nobody ever told me this, and I'm going to tell you this, pastors and workers and whoever you are here today. God didn't call you to die for his bride. He calls you to die for your bride. And when you die for her, there'll always be splendor on the bride's face. And you'll always, you see, I, I never forget one time, uh, Dino said something to me about... Brother Wayne, would you watch over my family? I've got to be out of town or something like that. And, uh, you know, and we always want somebody else to, to watch over our bride or our family. But, you know, what God would tell you, hey, you got to take care of your own bride. I'm having enough trouble with mine. I'm having enough problem with my children. So what I'm just trying to tell you is this, and remember is this, is that your family is your ministry. And your ministry is your family. Preserve your family and your other ministries will flourish. Preserve only your ministry, your family will perish. And depend on this. Remember this. The grace of God kept Noah. He found grace. See, Noah couldn't build a boat. But the grace of God. You need to get a definition of grace. 
You need to get a definition of grace. And the definition I would give you is allow God to do through you what you can't do. Come on. Thank you, Brother Wayne. I'm sorry. Oh, man. He's staying in my house. He's going to make me coffee in the morning. If y'all want to come over, it'll be about 630. He'll be making coffee, and we'll continue this on tomorrow. But uh, man, that is so, he's told me that my whole life. Yeah. Hey, nobody can take care of him like you can. Don't let anybody else take yeah. care of your family. I know, Jimmy, you, Just uh, if you'll just take a minute, you and Irene have walked through some things as family. Yeah. And as leaders and building a church, the church, family in your church, your own family having some shaking. Yeah. Uh, you got a minute on that? Absolutely. Um, I will tell you what I talked about a little bit earlier and what uh, Brother Wayne is talking about is what's the goal. Um, and I, I'm telling you, God, I prayed for something that I wasn't ready for. And I think as pastors, we got to be careful what we want too soon. Um, and I was, when we started our church, we began to grow our church. But I, I did it at the, at the sake of my marriage and at the sake of my family. And it told on us. Uh, and it showed up in an unhealthy staff. It showed up in unhealthy finances. It showed up in unhealthy. And so we had grown our church to almost 2,000 in the first year, two years. Uh, and then we went through just marriage pain. Um, I could preach to thousands but couldn't talk to one. Um, I could speak a word over everyone else's kids but couldn't get over to my kids. And uh, one of the things that, I've, uh, that I'm learning in this season, uh, and I can't say I've graduated. I don't think we ever graduate, but what they're saying is the, is the need for accountability in our lives. You need people in your life who can tell you what you're capable of but also what you're capable for. Um, and I think that Pastor Dino has been that uh, for me, uh, uh, just a spiritual father and, and uh, Pastor Stovall and Pastor Chris and all those guys. Uh, but one of the things that um, I felt like is, is, the, is comparison. Like, I, I honestly believe that comparison is the killer of family. When you're a pastor, when you're a leader, when you're a business person, because your drive is, is, is unhealthy, your drive is wrong. And I like to say it this way, like comparison goes when you spend more time with the crowd than you do with your creator. And uh, I, I felt like I, I saw what God, it was, what I've learned as a man is that it's never good enough. It's never good enough. I'm, I've got drive, I've got determination. It's never enough people. It's never enough volunteers. It's never enough money. And uh, that's why I love the fact that God could call it good even when he wasn't done. And I've learned with my family, and I'm telling you guys, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna share something. I, I, I promise you, I promise you, uh, you gotta have somebody in your life to tell you to stop, to tell you to sit down. Uh, Pastor Dino came to my house. We drove around. We had a true accountability. I'm talking about true accountability. True accountability is not sitting around telling everybody what you did. It's sitting around telling somebody what you're capable of doing and putting guards and guardrails in, in, that, in your life so you don't do it. You don't put a guardrail next to the edge. You put a guardrail about 15 feet from the edge. Good, good, good. And so uh, uh, if you want, my, I lost my family, but I thank by the grace of God thank you, Father. that the gifts and the callings are irrevocable. And I promise you, I don't deserve to be where I am. I don't deserve to have the family that I have. I don't deserve to have the stage and be on the stage that I am. But it's only through God's grace and mercy. And I promise you, I will not take a meeting after 3 o'clock no more. Because I'm going to pick my kids up from school. Not at the sake of growing a church. I'm 44 years old. And I've been married 19 years. And we're newlyweds. 
Uh, and we walked through some pain. We walked through a year of taking a six-month sabbatical to get ourselves together. My wife being at rehab for 45 days, and I was a single parent. Yes, I prayed for people at the altar, and they got delivered from addiction. But because of my lack of concentration on my family, my wife became addicted to alcohol, and I was a pastor. Guess whose fault that is? My fault. I'm the covering of my house. No one else can cover my house. And when Pastor Dino says that nothing matters more than the people that bear my last name. Nothing matters more than the people that bear my last name. My son was just here a week, spent a week with Pastor Dino. Um, and I promise you, it, parents, he would be the one that you would tell your kids not to follow. Are you hearing me? And he came back because I realized that I couldn't do it. He came back. He was a week here over spring break, and he's, he's got a D1 ride for soccer. And he came back and said, Dad, I don't want to play soccer anymore. I'm called to be in full-time ministry. I want to go to Church of the Highlands because I put him with other fathers in his life. And so understand, like, as, as pastors, we're, so, we're controlling. The way that you're going to grow your family is to lose control. The way you're going to grow your church is to lose control. And let God do what he wants to do. That's good. That's good. Let me ask you this, Bill. Amen. Follow up. I mean, your dad passed away when you were young. Brother Wayne's dad passed away when he was young. Uh, how have you, I mean, your family is amazing. But you, I mean, you travel the world. I mean, I go to your office and there's hundreds of people coming in and out. Uh, a lot of money coming through. How, what, you got 30 seconds on how you kept your family together. Uh, well, I, I really do believe this. I mean, I, I learned a long time ago, if you, you know, that, I watched my parents, my parents, my dad had a fifth grade degree, my mom had an eighth grade degree, my dad got killed driving a forklift, my mom lost her left hand, cut off in a, in a uh, cabinet shop, you know, so we didn't have money, but I saw them love each other like no other. My dad never walked in church, but he made sure we were at church every Sunday. Uh, he, he really believed not sparing the, you know, spare the rod. Uh, both my sisters needed it, I never really needed it, but I got it anyhow. <laughs> And, uh, but I saw my mom and dad love each other. I mean, I saw them love each other so much. And so, you know, as, uh, and then there was a lot of coaches that grabbed me by the nap of the neck and said, okay, you know, we're gonna, you're gonna walk this way and then the, and the different people in the ministry. But I think that was it. I, 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 at a young age, I started realizing, you know, that I needed to seek examples. And I wanted to have not a good marriage, I wanted to have a great marriage. And, and what I never did was have the priority. A lot of people talk in our, in our world, they talk business, they talk God family business, I don't think that's the way life works. I don't think that's realistic. I think if you don't involve, in my household, uh, we have no gossip, no criticism, that's not allowed, never has been allowed, we have no racism, there's nothing like that involved because I'm the head of the household and I'm supposed to set the example. And um, we believe in working hard, we believe in li living right, and we believe that, you know, we, we believe in treating people like, but the biggest thing was I knew that I had to be the man to set the example. I'd be, I, they had to see me love their mother. We'd never argued in front of the kids. There's not like she gets upset with me at times, I'm sure, but, but we've never done that. Uh, my two kids are my best friends. You know that. You've seen my two children. Uh, we, that I've raised great kids. We've never had one second of job, but that's been intentional. We worked so hard on that intention, and we did what, what you're saying. We had, a, we had a, my wife was my red flag partner. I said, if you ever see me working too hard, because I'm extremely hard driven, I said, you just got to make one phone call. And I remember one time I was in Minnesota, and I got a call from my wife. She said, Lauren was a little sad today, my daughter, and she said, and she asked her why. She said, I think I just missed my father, missed my daddy. Yeah. I was on a jet 
that night back home. And I think you got to live your life that way. I think you got to be in touch intentionally, but it can't be, it has to be intentional. You got to wake up every day thinking, what is the most important thing in my life? And then involve your, your, your spiritual life into your family, involve your family in your business or in your church. And, and it has to, I think it all has to, you know, it's not a great author said, it's not either or, it's both. You got to do both. You know? Wow. Wow. I, I can tell you this. These are from Jimmy, what I'm learning from him how generous Bill has been. Uh, Brother Wayne, my covering. Lee, probably one of my best friends in the whole world. Uh, Rob, what I'm learning about the church and one of the most important partners that we have and I have. And then, Lee, and then Steve, who is, uh, he's a ride or die guy. And he's blood in, blood out. And uh, I just appreciate you. I know, uh, Rob, you're going to be in an app, I think, after this. Is going to be talking about uh, missions and, and taking your city, taking your city. and pastoring your city. And then, uh, Lee, are you in, you're in an app, uh, in, is it today or tomorrow? It's today. And then all these guys are going to be around. But I want to do this. Uh, when they're done, I'm going to ask them to come down here because a lot of you will say, man, I'd love to connect. I know Brother Wayne uh, goes into churches teaching family, what Rob has helped the church to understand their mission strategy. Lee's doing a lot with Kingdom Builders now. So there, I, I probably call Lee every week, hey, there's a church you need to go communicate with. And then what Bill does for businesses and churches, so he's fantastic at coming into a church and, and really uh, coordinating and getting uh, your businessmen excited. And it's helped us so often to speak at our men's world. A lot of times you're looking for a men's speaker like that. And the same way with Jimmy, what he does for ARC. Jimmy now not only pastors a great church there in Baltimore, but he's on the ARC team helping us to understand diversity, how we need to plant better churches. And so that's key. And then there's probably not uh, someone that you could listen to if you're communicating, learning to communicate, learning to pastor. This is someone that you want to watch online, his sermons, uh, to grow, to learn. Uh, was just in his church, and Steve is just building a world-class church. It, it, it's probably the largest church in Louisiana now. Uh, and who they're reaching. And so they're going to be down here in the front. So if you'd like to connect with them and meet them, uh, if that's okay, if you'll just be down here. But Steve, do you mind praying for us and just praying uh, the hope for the church, the hope for those that are here? Let's all stand. And then I'm going to ask Steve to come out here and pray. And then I'm going to ask our panel to come down here in the front. If you want to meet them, shake their hand, uh, find out how to connect with them, then I want to make sure that's available to you. And then let's all pray. And then Steve, you can dismiss us. So uh, thanks a lot. I want to say just one thing. If you noticed all the seven on seven and so many of these comments all go back towards that similar theme of being together and relationships. But that's a choice. That's a choice for us to drop our guards and let people in. And I'm just going to pray uh, the Holy Spirit. You know, Acts 2, the Bible says when the Spirit's poured out, something happens in our heart. We dream and we envision, but there's a corporate nature to that. And the Holy Spirit, let's just come right now. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for your Spirit. God, I thank you that even this morning as so many great speakers were speaking, I believe that you're healing hearts where there's a new level of openness to connectivity, God, connection, where people are seeing that they do not have to walk alone. They don't have to carry this thing alone. I'm so grateful for the transparency of Pastor Jimmy, Lord, and what he just shared, Lord, that, there are, that, that we need people in our lives. God, I, I thank you, Father, for all these great men up here and all the great preachers this morning, the men and women. And Lord, you're healing people, you're restoring, but you're equipping us. You're bringing us beyond just connection to purpose, to partnership, to kingdom advance. 
God, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, you'd pour out your spirit, open our eyes, connect us with one another to make a difference for the kingdom of God, to make a difference, to expand and multiply your kingdom throughout the earth. God, I bless these incredible men, these incredible women, God, as we endeavor to do your kingdom business together. Bless them, Father, as we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys so much.